the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, it is a Tuesday. I grab my cup of coffee and I raise it in a toast to you. Go to hell, Zariri. I hope he's burning in a hotter part part of hell than uh, where he ever thought he'd end up at. All right, this is a guy that helped plan 9-11. He's been running around after, uh, you know, everybody else has been getting knocked off and thinking that he can't be touched. Well, they found him. Yeah. And they found they sent a Hellfire missile right up his his uh, you-know-what and, and blew him up. Uh, Fox News reporting the United States conducted a successful counterterrorism operation against a significant al-Qaeda leader, and uh, that was al-Zawari in Afghanistan. Why was he in Afghanistan? Just hanging out. Yeah, with his friends? Yeah, out in public. I thought al-Qaeda was defeated in Afghanistan. That's what the president told us. There's there's nobody from al-Qaeda over there in in Afghanistan anymore. And then a a report appeared over the weekend, I don't know if you saw it, said that there's over 500 members of al-Qaeda in in Afghanistan. And it's going to, just exactly what a lot of our military people said is going to happen. We'll be back there in another 10 years having to clean that mess all up again. Yeah, for something we had cleaned up. Yeah, yeah, we, we need to go back in there. And anytime, you know, you got to play whack a mole with these people. That's basically what you got to do. Every time they stick their freaking head up, you got to whack them a good one and get rid of them. And uh, the drone program has been doing a pretty good job of that. Uh, a senior administration official told Fox News this all happened. Over the weekend, the United States conducted a counterterrorism operation against a significant al-Qaeda target in Afghanistan. The senior administration official told Fox News uh, Monday the operation was successful and there were no civilian casualties, unlike uh, the last one we did in Afghanistan. Remember that? Wiped out yes. that whole family. Oh, geez, that was terrible. Uh, that, that was uh, a that's shame. All, Yeah, it really was. Uh, CB, uh, CNBC says that uh, Al-Zarari is dead and uh, is no more walking on uh, God's uh, green earth. He's, he's t- been taken care of. He was the physician and founder of the Egyptian Islamic Jihad. Before ascending to the uh, top spot in the Al-Qaeda network, now he's ascended up to all of his vestal virgins, I guess, uh, was one of the main architects behind the devastating September 11th terrorist attacks on the World Trade Center and the Pentagon. 
He was previously indicted by the U.S. government for his uh, alleged role in the 1998 bombings of the U.S. embassies in uh, uh, Tanzania and Nairobi, uh, Kenya. The uh, State Department had previously offered a reward of up to $25 million for information leading to his apprehension. Uh, Sunday's drone strike is the first known CIA counterterrorism operation since Kabul fell to the Taliban last year. Well, we needed something good to happen over in Afghanistan, to be honest with you. But why was he there? This is one of the top dudes, all right? He's been involved uh, in al-Qaeda since his early 20s. I think he was 71, he was if 71. I'm not mistaken. Okay, so he over 50 years. Think about that. Over 50 years. He obviously felt pretty comfortable just sunbathing and having the family. He, was, sitting, he was hanging out on the balcony. Yeah. Like, hey, is there any satellites up there? They ain't going to do nothing to me. Mm-mm. Well, we proved that wrong. My congratulations to the Biden administration for at least taking care of it and not letting it pass, the opportunity to pass by. You'll remember uh, when Bill Clinton was president, uh, he had a tea time to make, and he didn't have time to give the green light to take care of uh, some al-Qaeda people, uh, very famous al-Qaeda people. And uh, they didn't get get to be sent up to their, I don't know, party with their virgins or whatever that they could have done as far as that's concerned. So anyway, I just wanted to, by the way, a Vestal Virgin, if you've ever wondered, it just means that they they are religious in nature and have been set aside for a holy purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, I am. Um, There's a song about that in the 60s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a little bit of broken harm. Yeah. Yeah. Lighter shade of pale. Right. That's you a know? great song. Yeah. So anyway, bottom line, uh, he's dead. And that's good. Because as I say. The best terrorist is a dead terrorist. Yes. I know there's a lot of people hate when I say things like that, but it is exactly how I feel. It only takes one one terrorist to run, uh, you know, countless lives. I mean, it doesn't matter how many good people you have. It takes one bad person in the mix to really, I mean, to do things like 9-11. Well, it's... I'll tell you, if you, if you want to really get me upset, tell me one man's terrorist is another man's freedom fighter. And I will right. tell you how stupid you just sounded. <laughs> because you did. I've heard that argument before. Yes, yes. You'll always, you'll always hear that. And then you ask him, well, all right, so what are they fighting for freedom for? And the people who say that stuff, they don't even have a clue. It just sounds good. It does sound good. Yeah, you know, it just sounds good. All right, and they'll say, "Well, what set that up? What sets them uh, us apart from the Revolutionary War?" Well, we were being occupied. Mm-hmm. As far as I knew, we weren't occupying the Middle East. We were doing business in the Middle East, but we weren't occupying uh, the Middle East. And a lot of people were. Uh, you know, their, their national, uh, you know, uh, elements that they had in the ground, that we were helping them get it out of the ground, and we were paying them a good price for it. Yeah, it was at all least I was at the at the pump. Business. <laughs> we were doing business with them, just the way it goes. Okay, I told Simone when we were coming on, I said, hey, you can get upset with this story I'm going to do. 
And she says, what is it? Well, what's President Biden going to do with the student loan forgiveness program that he wants to do? All right. Hey, uh, Aaron, are you you like paying off student loans right now? Get on the microphone for just a second. You got some headphones? Put them on so you can hear me. You don't have any headphones over there? What's wrong with you? (laughs) You're in broadcasting now, son. You always have a pair of headphones. I'm just kidding you. Just giving him a hard time. Just breaking his chops. That's all I'm doing. Busting his bones. That's fun stuff. This is fun stuff. Are you are you wanting the president to forgive your student loan, sir? Do you think that that's the right thing to do? I got to hear him. I want to hear what he has to say. Because I he struck me as a as a level headed thinking person. The first time I talked to him, a couple times I've talked to him. You you working now over there? Can you hear me? Can you hear me now? I can't hear you. You need to push the right button over there. Yeah. Press the transporter room. Can you hear me now? There you go. We got you now. All right. So, yeah. Yeah. Student loans. So, how how much do you owe still? Do you know? Uh, Right now, I'm probably maybe 16,000. Okay, sixteen grand. So yeah. you're on the lower end of this, baby. Do you do you think that the president should be paying off your student loan? These headphones are awful. I, no, I don't have any. You don't have any. You said okay. Here, I can. Say, I'll give you. I'll give you the question. You can hear it right over the speakers in, in your studio. Do you think it's right for President Biden to pay off student loans? I mean, I mean, when you went in and filled out the paperwork for your student loan, did it say you had to pay it back? Was that part of the deal? Yep, he's shaking his head yes. Okay, so, all right. So, anyway, I think it's right that, you know, the kids need to pay it back. And I, I, boy, let me tell you, I hear millennials all over my listening audience going, no! You know, I can hear them. I can hear them. So, it's August now, and for student loan borrowers, that means one thing. Okay, what does that mean? This is the different stories. I got a bunch of stories here. This is from Insider. Uh, President Joe Biden has one month to announce whether he will be cutting their debt balances, the kids that own all this money. And it will be a long-awaited announcement. Well, Biden told reporters in July that he'll announce his decision for relief before payments resume on September 1. Borrowers, lawmakers, and student loan companies alike have been growing increasingly nervous as a clock continues to tick toward that date without any evidence from the White House with a lot of uncertainty surrounding how effectively debt cancellation can be implemented on such short notice. Since Biden said in April that he would make a decision on student loan forgiveness, now remember he said he would do it by July and then he changed his mind and now he's going to do it by August. Um, Since Biden said in April that he would do this, Uh, forgiveness in the coming weeks many borrowers have been anxiously awaiting details on what that relief will actually be and when it will impact them well the only certainty biden has given so far is what the relief will not be 50 grand in debt cancellation he is reportedly considering 10 grand in forgiveness for borrowers making under $150,000 a year, an amount he pledged while on the campaign trail. Okay, so I got a question for you, and I'll ask this again. I had to borrow a little bit of money when I went to college. I worked I worked during the summer at steel mills, and I borrowed money and, and went and, and 
and did what I needed to do with it to, to be able to buy maybe a, an extra case or two of ramen noodles uh, to be able to eat while I was in college. But the bottom line is, once I got out, I knew that within, I think it was five years, I had to begin paying it back. I began paying it back earlier. If, if it was only $10, I was sending well, in a little, little bit of money, do. you know. I sent send a little bit of money in because guess what? When I signed the paperwork for that money, there was a thing inside the contract that said you had to pay it back. Just like if I buy a house or if I bought a car or if I bought anything else on, on right. time, I had to pay it back. And now it's like... And, and this is the argument I'll hear. But, Dave, it doesn't cost as much to go to to college. And you didn't have to just go go to college because now if you don't go to college, you can't get a freaking job and this and that. Well, you know what? Maybe some of these people who can't find a job should have uh, taken up something Trade school. That, you know, that pays a little bit better. Yeah. You, know? Uh, you know, being an archaeologist, look, I think that's great. That'd be amazing. But how do. many archaeologists get employed out there? I'm just being honest with An you. An art history major, like who's her dream job is to be a professor. How many people are going to be professors? Well, you know, you can be a professor if you work towards it. Okay, okay. Now wait. That's the key Aaron. Thing. Aaron wants to jump in here. Go ahead, Aaron. I'm giving him the opportunity to. I'm, are you working now over there? Can you hear me? Yeah, I was just saying you got one minute left. But um yeah, I am I am majorly in debt. I'm a six year senior um at a college in Arkadelphia and um the whole the whole discussion on um you know, whether or not millennials should you know, we should pay back we should have to pay back. I think it's kind of you know, I don't I don't believe in that. I think if you go to college, you know, it's your it's uh it's your responsibility to pay all that back and Good. So that's, that's why you have a job with me. Yeah, exactly. I've actually got a job with you and then somebody else. So <laughs> All right. Well, you're doing it right. Congratulations. I love it. Okay. okay. I love that. Hey, I got a new phone, but I don't have my timer up yet. How many seconds do I have? Uh, you've got, well, we're at 620 right now. Well, it's, okay. Yeah. We're, I'm sitting. I got about uh, 10 seconds here. So let me, we got news, don't we? Yes. Let's do some news, and then we'll come back and we'll talk more. I had to buy a new phone. I'll tell you all about that in the next segment. But that's coming up. Simone is here. I'm here. Uh, the Bible guys are next hour, and our special guest at 9.05. Don't miss him. Dick Morse will be here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, don't forget about uh, David Lucas Financial and what they can do for you. They can help you learn all the uh, intricacies of buying silver and gold. Uh, people that are taking care of uh, your, uh, you know, stash that you got put aside, that nest egg that you got put aside uh, to have some money when you retire, if we ever get to retire. I don't, I'm getting to the point where I just, I say that word and it's like, it ain't going to ever happen. They forget about it. Uh, so anyway, uh, bottom line, 
you need to have about 15% in precious metals, is what they'll tell you in that uh, nest egg. And uh, buying silver and gold, there's some, there's some, you know, little tricks to it. It's not uh, the same as just going out and buying a stock or a bond or something like that. You need to know what you're doing, and that's what the folks over at uh, David Lucas can do for you. In fact, I'll give uh, David a call. We'll see if he can find some time next week to come on just talk about silver and gold and how to make sure you don't lose your shirts. Uh, your shirt and your shorts uh, in the process, or your blouse and your panties, depending. Uh, you know, now you could be a you could be a guy and wear the blouse and panties. I'm just saying, okay. I'm I'm not judging here. We're inclusive. I'm, yes, I'm not saying that's wrong, but you could be. But the bottom line is, is that you want to know what you're doing and let them teach you that. Uh, learn more about how to buy silver and gold. Call 501-222-3315. That's 501-222-3315. And know that David Lucas Financial works with one of the only regulated and licensed national wholesalers in the country. So you'll get direct prices from a dealer you can trust. Investment advisory services are offered through David Lucas Financial and Arkansas Registered Investment Advisor. So I just wanted to keep you up to date on, on that. Got about five minutes away from the news right now. We'll bring you up on some local news here on uh, the Dave Ellswick Show at that time. Simone's sitting right across from me. You feel the same way I do about this whole student loan debt uh, you know, bailout thing? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like a financial redistribution of wealth, I mean, basically. And they're going to make more money, and, and that's why they went to school, is they're supposedly going to make more money. That's why they threw their or their dice in to roll and go to school for it. I mean, why should we be paying them to make more money? Okay, now I want you to listen to what the people are that are the people who owe the money, what they're saying, along with uh, – progressives and civil rights groups as well uh they're they're saying uh, their part of the story is activists seeking to wipe away debts argue that borrowers were bamboozled by universities and the federal government alike leaving them with inadequate wages to cover the payments and keeping them from achieving life goals like home ownership now wait Hold on. I, I just got to say, you went to college. Are you that stupid? Well, what they're produ- producing. I mean, I got to a- ask that question. All right. Are you that ignorant that you, you didn't know how much money you might make in the chosen field yeah. that you were studying for? Come on. Well, they ought to tap into those schools endowments if they want to forgive anything. Start forgive or tap the schools. The schools could uh, easily forgive. I just, I don't think they should be forgiven. I'm if not you, saying they should be. I'm just saying if you signed on a dotted line, you should know what you're signing for. Yeah, it's a contract. And I just don't understand this whole thing at all. And look, I know I've there's a lot of waters gone under the bridge in my lifetime. Okay, but I went out and had to take in and get uh, some loans. Now, I couldn't go to the government. Government wasn't in the, in the business of giving out loans when I was going to college. You had to go to a bank. And when you went to the bank, you had to prove that you'd be able to pay it back. Right. That meant that they had to use some of the, the money that uh, your mom or dad made uh, to show that 
if you couldn't pay, they were like a a non-signing co-signer kind right. of thing, and uh, prove that uh, that you're going to pay it back. Well, I paid all mine back. It took me a while to do it, but I paid it back because let me tell you what I owed like ten grand when I got out of college. Okay, after uh, four and a half years. And they wanted me to come back for another semester, and I refused to do so. Now, uh, that, I felt like, was bad policy on their part, just to be honest. Mm -hmm. Because they were saying, well, Dave, you didn't take the core uh, classes on writing and on math. Your prerequisites. Yeah, those, those, yeah. But I had taken every writing class that I had to take to get through radio and television right. and journalism. I had a double major, and I had double minor. And I had, I had to take uh, you know, some different things in philosophy uh, that uh, had to do with math. You know, I could do decibels and stuff. You know, they did, they, I didn't have to take that class. That should have just been written off. I said, well, he's taking all these classes. He's good. And let me go on. But I no. had to retake it when I went back to college. I yeah. had to retake all the prerequisites. Yeah, they wanted me to take the what they call core prizes. Right. You know, you're not a good student unless you have a really well-developed six-pack in your core. <laughs> you know, I had like a pony keg. But I'm just saying. I had, you know, you had to develop that uh, that core, but uh, and and that's when I told him, uh, put a word of sun don't shine. I wasn't coming back. I don't need your piece of paper, and I walked. Hmm. And uh, gosh, I've gotten to where I am and have done pretty good at it uh, without having a, a degree in it. All right, let's get to the news, and we'll come back. We'll talk more. I'll give you my my story about college when we come. All right, back with you. We move into the uh, the last half hour of this first hour with uh, Simone. And let me re- read what the NAACP, they wrote a letter to the president, and here's what they had to say about this forgiveness. And said that, uh, that the president should approve a $50,000 payment, and it must be the minimum level of forgiveness with no income bracket caps because black borrowers, quote, quote, have virtually no realistic way to pay it back in today's unjust economy, unquote. I don't buy that for a moment. Yeah, an unjust economy. Uh, Republicans are pushing back hard on the proposal to cancel student debt. Look, I don't push back because I'm a Republican on this. Push back on this because I'm a conservative and I'm a guy to, to uh, you know, when I when I sign my name to something that says I'm going to pay it back, I pay it back, and I think it through before I sign something. So the borrowers chose to take uh, the the conservatives and Republicans and borrowers chose to take on the payment, and the ethics of requiring all taxpayers to foot the bill is not uh, an ethical way of doing things. Uh, And we're including those who never took on student loans and those who already paid theirs off, which I'm in the the latter category there. I just think that if you if you sign on thing and says that you're supposed to pay back, you pay back. Now, there's ways that uh, you can get some forgiveness if things went sideways in your life or whatever. Like uh, you had operations or whatever where you can uh, 
you you can Deferment declare you know too. well you can declare bankruptcy and things of that nature okay mm-hmm. and and I understand uh, that some of that is uh, some forgiveness but it's forgiveness and I. I might be even willing to forgive a kid who had uh, taken uh, a loan out and somewhere during in college he found out he had, you know, uh, some kind of cancer or something right. and had to go in the, in the hospital or whatever. I might be willing to, to look at that. I'm, I'm all, there's always exceptions that you can look at to make it. You don't it, need a blanket. You know, yeah, yeah, you don't just throw a blanket over everybody and say, this is an unjust economy that you're going into, sir. Well, for those people who wrote this letter and they think that, then that's been an unjust economy from the word get-go. Yeah. Why did you agree that these kids should go out and get these loans then? Right. Now, that's just ridiculous. You knew it was unjust in the beginning, so to speak. And my daddy taught me from the time I was a young boy that life Life ain't ain't fair. fair. I was just going to say that. It's just the way it is. Yeah. All right. Now, I'll tell you who is fair, P.I. Roofing. Mm -hmm. P.I. Roofing will be fair for you. What they do is they take care of making sure your roof's in good shape. While I was out on the uh, Patriot Tour, I had uh, sent them a message that I I saw some things up on my roof before I left. And it looked like I had some problems, and I'm expecting to hear from today or tomorrow. But while I was gone, they went and got up on the roof, and they inspected it. Huh. And uh, there's some work that they're going to have to do and get taken care of. And uh, they will uh, work, it, work it out, and I have no doubt that they'll fix it. And there'll be no cost. If it's their fault, they will fix it at no cost to me. If it's the, the shingle people that it was something in the product, they'll pay for it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I won't pay anything on on it, and you wouldn't pay anything on it as well. That's what makes PI Roofing so good. They stand behind their their uh, work 100%. Call them, 501-707-3551, 501-707-3551, or go online and talk to Joel uh, Johnson, Victoria Johnson's uh, uh, folks uh, at piroofing.com. All right, so that's another story that's, uh, that's out there. Uh, this non-story, this thing about Pelosi going to... Um, talking about she's going to stop off in Taiwan. Right. Why are we even worrying about this? What is it with the President of the United States that we have the Speaker of the House? And this this could be anybody as far as I'm concerned. They're the Speaker of the frickin' House. All right? They're number three in line for the presidency. They're important people. They're supposed to go over and, and check out what's happening uh, because they they oversee how the money's spent, and uh, the the China is making and saber rattling and saying, well, maybe we'll shoot her plane down. Wrong thing to say. Yeah, Mr. President, get on national television and say we won't put up with that. Say that she's a citizen of the United States, and that any kind of uh, thing that you would do towards her would be an attack on this country. Any act of aggression. Yeah, just just say it the way it is. Don't be the mamby-pamby boy. Telling her not to go. This is what, yeah, this is what he does all the time. You know, this is a guy that didn't want to go in and get bin Laden, for God's sake. Everybody else is like, uh, 
Uh, let me take a show of hands, says uh, Obama. Who thinks we should go? And every hand goes up in the room Besides except Biden. for Biden. And Biden goes, oh, I think we should just kind of let it go. Now, no, come on. At least uh, he didn't do that with Zakiri. At least he decided to, to blow him up. That's a good thing. But, yeah. Why Pelosi's going, I don't know. I mean, maybe she thinks she's making a world tour because she's been in Congress for so long. <laughs> and she knows this is her last hurrah yeah. right now because she's not going to be speaker coming up in November. Or, well, That's January so next year. There'll be a new speaker. And I, I will be make sure that I watch the passing of the gavel, believe yes. me. I'll be watching that. But, uh, you know... Um, I don't know why she's doing it. All I know is she's the Speaker of the House. She's a, a duly elected member of the House of Representatives. And when you threaten her, you're threatening this country. Right. And I, Biden, well, on Biden the other day, I mean, you can't put him out in public without him making a gaffe that can lead us into <laughs> world war. I mean, he's a national security threat himself, just his mouth. And he said, yes, we will defend Taiwan. He was a gaffer when he was a vice president. Right. Remember when he blew it about uh, SEAL Team 6? Jesus. That they the ones that went right. in and got bin Laden? You know, nobody was supposed to know that. But we want to thank SEAL Team 6. Hey, dude, shut your hole, all right? I mean, come on. Unbelievable. He is. He's a, he's a security threat. I mean, every time he opens his mouth. <laughs> All right, I got one other thing to say here before I got so much to say today because all these stories just kind of tick me off. But monkeypox, monkeypox, Mon- monkeypox. All right, I think we should call them cheetah pox. Cheetah pox. What do you think from the old Tarzan movies? You know, It'd be less you know, racist. Cheetah. Yeah, yeah, cheetah pox. Uh, New York City mayor declaring a state of emergency now. Uh, Doctor uh, Lena Wynn urges country to follow suit. Now, I'm not a conspiracist for the most part, okay? I'll say that in some conspiracy theories, as normal, there is an element of truth in them. The problem is, is how big is it, you know? But uh, this thing here about monkeypox, why is it that back in the back of my mind, this warning bell keeps going on? It's only 98 days to the election, Dave. Yeah. Are they wanting to say, uh, what we need to do is shut down or cut back or don't go to the polls and, uh, you know, you can mail you can mail I've in your ballot. You can mail it in. I've been waiting with bated breath to find out what their MO is going to be on getting us to either mail in or some kind of fraud for this election. How they're going to try to pull this out to where they don't lose the yeah, socks. We're going to, yeah, they're going to, they're going to lose no matter what, but they're trying to, they're trying to mitigate, control it. Yeah. The loss, make mitigate the loss that it's not going to be as big. Right now, looks like we'll probably be up by twenty five seats when it's all said and done. When the smoke clears, I think we're going to be about thirty eight seats up. Is I don't how take I'm anything it. for granted with them. Well, you can't. No, they've proven that. Yeah, well. they have definitely proven that. And uh, Democrats have been cheating forever uh, in elections. And I speak from experience. I grew up outside of Chicago. I can tell you they've been cheating 
for a long, long time. All right, uh, we got about 15 minutes before we get to seven. Uh, and that means that we got to take a, a break here. Let me do. Let me do that, and then you can go down. And let the people in. I know. Is it Scott or is it Steve? It's Scott. All right. Well, he can wait. You. He, he won't be mad at you. Well, I don't know. He might send you to hell or something. There. I'm, uh-huh. I'm, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hey, don't forget about East End Towing. East End Towing is uh, looking to uh, help you if you get yourself stuck on the side of the road. Uh, if your car breaks down, I mean, it probably isn't your your fault. You you know, yeah, you've been ignoring that red light that's been on the dash for the last two years. But uh, bottom line, the car just gave up the ghost. So uh, you need some help. Let East End uh, Towing handle you on all of that. Uh, and what if it's not your car? What if it's the trailer you're pulling uh, uh, that you know is going to you know cause problems now you know tire went out or axle went out and you got to get that taken care of east end towing call them they, they've got all the answers uh for all the situations that's east end towing the phone number 501-888-8849 501-888-8849 i'm glad that i noticed that we were back yeah. or i might have said something that got me in trouble but it didn't because I know when there's a when I see the red light go up, it means hot mic, hot, hot, mic. hot mic. Shut your mouth, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, this is an interesting story here. It comes from CNBC. Yes, they do cover stories once in a while that are of interest uh, to all of us. Inflation has been causing economic hardship for workers across all income levels. Well, duh. Duh. I got to get you and I going to have to work together, Aaron, and get the uh, uh, the page for my sound effects so I can get them back. I need I got to I've got to I've got to get the stuff from uh, South Park and everything, you know, and uh, so I can play stuff. But duh, we got to get that back from her uh, from some from Simpsons. Uh, Anyway. As of June, 61% of Americans, that's roughly 157 million adults, are living paycheck to paycheck. That's according to a new Lending Club report. That's up from 58% who reported living paycheck to paycheck in May. A year ago, the number of adults who felt stretched too thin was only 55%. Even top earners have been struggling to make ends meet. Uh, Of uh, those earning $200,000 or more, which I am not part of that club, uh, there are some of you who think that I am, Uh, 36% reported living paycheck to paycheck. That's a jump from the previous month as well. The Daily Wire, Ben uh, Shapiro's uh, website, says to help address the problem, Senate Democrats recently unveiled the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. We talked about that in ex, uh, extended uh, conversation yesterday. However, a Penn Wharton study released on Friday shows that the bill could lead to a slight increase in inflation over the next two years, doing the exact opposite of what its name suggests. Let me tell you what. After seeing the PPI was double digits and that inflation was only single digits i expect this month and if not this month in september that inflation will be double digits 
it will move up from 9% to at least 10%, if not 10.5%. There's only one way to go. You need to turn your mic on over there. Push that red button there so I can hear you. There you go. Now talk to me. I said there you are. Only one way to go. Yeah. Only one way to go, and that's up. I mean... Yeah, you know, and it ain't going to matter what they do. This this kind of money and stuff, it doesn't. It's not going to get in the system overnight. No. All right, it's not going to. And everybody goes, "Well, Wall Street doesn't have any problem with it." That's because Wall Street doesn't care where their money comes from. No. You know, it's green. If it's green and it spends, then they're happy with it. If it's coming uh, from their investors, that's well and good. If it's coming from the government. That's well and good as well as because it's it spends. Coming. Yeah, you know, as long as it keeps coming in. So anyway, uh, however, the study said that uh, uh, the bill would lead to a slight increase in inflation over the next couple of years, doing the exact opposite of its name. To make matters worse for most Americans, uh, there's some Republicans on the Senate Finance Committee who released data Saturday from the nonpartisan Joint Committee on Taxation. That's the JCT, for all of you insiders, the JCT, that indicated the Inflation Reduction Act would increase taxes in the calendar year 2023 for everyone, hear this out clearly, everyone, not those making $400,000 or more, everyone except those making between $10,000 and $30,000 a year. That's That's... That's what they're saying. I'm just Living don't shoot the messenger. Is scary. Of course, when that was first said, they shot you with a, a bow and arrow. <laughs> so I <laughs> now go ahead. You've got to use the uh, the AR. That's fine. All right, it'd be a little quicker than Stung just an gun. arrow, whatever. But but bottom line is that uh, it's not looking good. It is not looking good, and it's not looking good for this administration. This administration, I think that Joe Biden is wearing a mask. I think if you could get close enough to him and grab the top of his forehead and pull down, like in a Mission Impossible movie, it would start tearing and rending apart, and it's Jimmy Carter that is underneath that mask. It's Jimmy Jimmy Carter. Is really Joe He's Biden. not doing too good of a job hiding it. Well, he, that's true. No. If it's not him, then it's some kind of mind meld thing going <laughs> on. Some evil doctor. There's, some going, there's something happening uh, that we got to be very careful about. I'm just, I'm just telling you. It worries me. Well, and the way consumers feel has a lot to do with how things are going to project and how things are going to be because it's their feelings and how they spend their money is is going to depend you know do a lot to do with how our economy is going to fare let me tell you what my daddy used to say i always quote my daddy because as i gotten older i don't know i don't know if this has happened for anybody else but it has for me my daddy's gotten smarter and smarter (laughs) the older i get I'm just telling you. I've already Mark, said that years Mark ago. Twain, Mark Twain said that one time. He said, I used to think my father was the, most, was the dumbest man on the face of the earth. At 16, by the time I was 30 years old, he was, you know, the smartest man on the face of the earth. And, um, you know, they always say that you start sounding like your parents. Yeah. 
I have been doing that for quite some time now. Yeah. I sound like my dad. I catch myself saying things on the air, and I go, I can hear my dad in that. I really I, can. I do the same thing. I mean, it's it's shocking things, I, and even kids these days. When I say stuff like that, yeah, to them, yeah, because yeah. you, you know what, truth is the truth. Yeah, truth is the truth. Now there is no my truth. Don't don't ever say that <laughs> to me, please. You got your opinion, but you don't have the truth. Truth. All right, that there is only me nuts, one truth. That my truth stuff. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know how I feel about that. You've been around me enough now that yeah. you know that drives me crazy. It really does. Me too. My truth, no, not your truth. Your opinion. All right. Yeah, you got that, and you also got an orifice that you move excrement out of. <laughs> they want all to right? be validated. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. Somehow, because heck, they haven't even figured out how to pay off their student loan debt yet. <laughs> you know, just <laughs> that way that all. Alone, own a truth. All right, so we're just about out of time here for this first hour. Let me remind you that coming up in the next hour, Bible Guy's going to be here. Steve Hess is going to be here. Uh, Scott's going to be here. The pastor over at Agape Church will be sitting in here. Billy won't be here today. Uh, He said he had a special uh, uh, phone call coming. And it's at this time that I wish I might have my sound effects because I would be playing from – uh, Armin Flint, I'd be doing the hot. Yeah, I'd be paying that no that noise right now uh, for a special phone call uh, from somebody. But anyway, uh, know that he had a special phone call, so he will not be here uh, today. Uh, but the other two guys will be. And we'll have some great things to talk about. And that at nine oh five, you want to be here. You don't want to miss the 905 hour because because Dick Morris is going to be here. He's got a new book out, and it's called uh, uh, The Return. And it's about how uh, President Trump will be renominated by the Republican Party and be reelected by the American people. We'll talk to him about that at 905 right here on uh, your favorite love you, love you, love you guy that's on the radio bringing you all this conservative thought on uh, 101.1 FM, The Answer, The Dave Ellswick Show. Thanks, Simone, for coming in. And we will get back together next Tuesday right here at the same bat time and same bat channel. All right, back in the studio. We Simone has made her way home. And, uh, well, she she's making her way home. She's not there yet, I'm sure. If she is, she drives faster than I do, and I can't believe that. But the bottom line is that she's on her way home. I thank her for coming in today. And uh, replacing her, it takes two men to replace a woman. So we brought two men in. There we go. And uh, talk about, you want to turn everybody's mic on over there, Aaron? Let's uh, bop everybody up here. Scott is here. Scott Stewart is here, of course, from uh, Agape Church. He is the uh, senior pastor over there. Uh, Steve Hess is here as well. Uh, he makes his living working uh, with the Air Force and with loadmasters and people like that. And uh, he's here, but he also preaches on Saturdays over at Agape because he's uh, kind of the, the head uh, honcho for the Hebraic worship service now that's actually his title head honcho head honcho well, i like that yeah. I, personally instead of, instead you can you call me that steve, we just call him head honcho steve. honcho steve i like that i like that so let me i never asked you this question you lead uh, that uh, that service uh 
You don't have to be a rabbi then, right? Well, it depends on who you ask. Okay. Am I not coming through? There you are. Now we got you. There it is. Um, That is one of those things that's kind of a debate. I like some people ask have asked me. Well, then this is right up your alley. It it is. (laughs) You are under the impression that I like to debate. I I know you do. To fight, (laughs) of course. When you when I debate with you, it's like uh, who's got you know most backbone. Well, I um, (laughs) I don't look at it that way. I don't. I look at it as. I'm just explaining why I'm right. So it's not really an argument or a debate. You know, I'm just <laughs> okay. All right. A casual conversation with Steve is like playing football without a helmet. Yeah, well, that's good. Yeah. That's yeah. good without pads. That's yeah. cool. That's called rugby. It's called yep. rugby. Yeah, that's true. Right. I'm some tough old boys. So, so tell me. So, I mean, about this whole thing about rabbi and whatever. So some will say that it's an interchangeable, in, interchangeable term, and, and you could say that because it basically means leader, leader of a congregation, whether it be the rabbi or whether it be the pastor. I mean, teacher right yes okay but if i was to take on that title that would give the impression that one i'm jewish or two that i've been through rabbinic training okay and even though within our people they i would fulfill that role as the leader of a congregation um i just don't use that term because of the false implication it could give to those outside so So i I keep the term that's 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 actually one of the accusations that a lot of um of um what we call counter missionary, or people, um, you know, what I'm talking, I want you to explain. It. And it's one. Of the, it's one of the arguments they use that we're trying to to trick people yep. in some way. Of so they they think the idea is that we're just trying to pretend that we're a little Jewish, so we could then get them into the quote unquote synagogue and then trick them into believing in Jesus. So they 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 say we're. We don't believe what we're doing, but it's just another cover story to try and get people, Jews, to convert to to, to Christianity. So we just avoid all that. Yeah. I mean, do they kind of look at, like, let's say I go out and preach, right? I'm an itinerant preacher. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, but I, I didn't, no congregation has had a special service for me and laid hands on me the, mm-hmm. the whole nine yards. So, but does that make somebody else that's out preaching a better preacher than me i don't think so oh you mean you mean if there's an official ordination yeah so yeah. Would, yeah the whole ordination thing oh no i mean if you're obviously there you know if you're if you're if called you're, you're called if you're, right right yeah yeah and that's that's the end of the, end but there, of the story. there's two there's two ways to kind of look at it because sometimes <clears throat> sometimes you have to get outside orthodoxy right because uh-huh. if if martin luther didn't do it right then we wouldn't have what we have the today. Reformation. Right, we wouldn't have a change. So he was never, I mean, he was actually training to be, you know, a priest, but that, he got outside orthodoxy. There's a balance between um, having a group of elders and then also being called. So you're right. Somebody could lay hands on you, and if you ain't called, you ain't going to do it, right? you got to be called. Yeah. But sometimes, and this is in part why what we're doing together at Agape is within our community, the Messianic community, there is kind of a a Luther-esque spirit about it in the sense that they're rebelling against all authority. And so they don't believe in any kind of ordination or any kind of authority in that perspective because they're going to do their own thing and kind of be led. No, So they're, they're saying you're like telling them up their nose with a rubber hose. Right, right. <laughs> Well, that's a it's, flash it, from the past. I think, I think that's an, <laughs> heard that in a long time. Yeah, I forget which book in the Bible that's. In. But it, I think Isaiah. But there's, Isaiah. A, okay. but there's a balance that we have to run because the Bible talks about a plurality of leadership and accountability. So 
it's not that the the paper or the laying on the hands um, is makes you an official pastor if you're called you're called however I tend to be very leery of those who refuse any kind of connection with other believers or other leadership because the you got to have that multitude of counselors right there's safety net the proverbs talk about so you got to have that so it's it's a it's a balanced road so you've right? got scott correct and that's part of the reason why we're doing what we're doing here and not uh, just having yet another messianic group out by itself because there is an accountability mm-hmm. uh, and a plurality of leadership right and well, like that yeah and then you got billy right well, which I don't have to worry about because he'll definitely straighten me out if I get out of line. Right? But it, it's just one of those – it is kind of a difficult thing within our community, and it's why we kind of walk that balance with trying to maintain a connection because the other extreme ends of our group um, believe that any affiliation with traditional church is almost heresy. Some of them are so extreme that they're like Sunday goers or you know they're taking the mark of the beast and other kind of foolishness. But So – that's why I actually met with a guy uh, two two weekends ago. We had coffee together, and he was a guy who has been part of the Messianic community, been back in town for a little while, and, and he was praising, saying, "How I'm so glad that you guys are connected because our community has had such a shunning from traditional church. And so he's, he was really glad to see what we're doing and trying to bring two different together. I would like together. to see that brought together because there's a lot of people that are in that movement. Mm-hmm. And it'd be great to see them all together on a given Saturday. Well, one thing we try to do is whenever there's a special uh, feast day, because our, our church celebrates all the feasts, mm-hmm. and um, and sometimes we have we'll, we'll always have a celebration on, on a Sunday because typically the feast will either roll through they're week long things, right? Uh, and then sometimes they're actually on a Sunday, like this past um, Pentecost Shabbat was on a Sunday, which is typically is. And so the Messianic community, or our Messianic uh, community that we have at the church, they they will join us for that service on Sunday morning. So we have a blending of um, of the two groups together, uh, which is it's just great. I love what they what they bring to. So our when the Hebraic people there, is there a lot more dancing? A lot of times there will be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just thank you. I mean, we, we we have we have dancing, but they, but they bring right. that uh, that extra element, especially one or two within the community. They bring a little bit more right. dancing than others. <laughs> right. But uh, but yeah, but that's I think that's the way it's intended to be. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I know that you you know you have the same belief that what uh, Steve has mm-hmm. about uh, Christianity and Judeo Christianity. Sure. Uh, now, Steve, when you when you preach, if I remember correctly because i i've sat under your preaching a couple of times you have a a prayer shawl that Mm -hmm. you wear so does billy Mm -hmm. now you don't wear one on sundays is there any reason why you don't uh no um i i have i have used them before Uh, okay yeah i just haven't seen it yeah but i don't i don't normally use uh use them on uh on a sunday morning if i'm doing something um uh, special, I might, uh, I might wear. It's almost like. Uh, did you wear a suit to churches last Sunday, Dave? Man, I haven't worn a suit <laughs> okay. to church in a long time. There you go. But you can from time. If, yeah. it's, if it's something special, you if might wear. If it's special, a suit. I'll show up. Well, so, sometimes if it's really special, might get me to wear it. <laughs> it's also a, um, a community, and, and you could argue that somewhat culturally how we do it because that prayer shawl was somewhat different than how it was in the first century. Yeah. Okay. But it was something that, that was used uh, as the idea of the covering. It was more right. like a uh, a poncho back in those days, where it actually had a hole in the center, and you wore it over you, so it covered you in the front and covered you in the back. That's almost uh, like what the priest wore in the in the, the temple. In the temple, yeah. So it was, it was kind of more like that, and um, uh, whereas today now it's more 
uh, around your shoulders. They also have something called the talit katan, which means a small talit, which you can actually wear. Nobody can even see that you have it on. A lot of, a lot of your, uh, uh, maybe your um, conservative Jewish people might wear it. They're, they have one on, mm-hmm. but they also have a business suit on. You don't even know they're wearing one of these things. And uh, those are all new kind of kind mm-hmm. of things. Um, so what we have now is an adaptation of the original. But ba- also back in the day, the, the regular regular clothes had fringes on them so it wasn't just this prayer shawl but their actual clothing had the fringes and things on it so today is a little bit uh it's it's not quite quote as biblical as what uh it it would have been during messiah aren't you glad that this is after christ now and you don't have to wear bells on the bottom (laughs) as as a high priest uh, (laughs) that's one of the things we need to remember about um um the phrase that Paul uses quite a bit about the freedom and don't use your liberty for the flesh, right? So okay. we have those kind of liberties to do some of these things and take on some of these things or not take them on as believers. See, I like that. I This last Patriot Tour was called Faith, you know, Family Founders, uh, Freedom Founders. And uh, while we were out, while we were gone for this week, uh, we learned a lot about the Amish. We went and learned all about what they believe and why they believe it. The Mennonites, we did that. The Morovians, we did that. Uh, when we went and saw the Mennonites, uh, they took us in on their uh, uh, presentation, and part of their presentation is they had a, a life-size tabernacle. Oh, really? So that you sat through and it, it said what they did out in the courtyard, mm-hmm. and then you turned back to the left and opened up, and here was the inside of the tabernacle, and I got pictures of it and everything. It was oh, wow. very, very cool. Very cool. Was this in Pennsylvania? Know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that was really, really cool to see all of that. And, uh, you know, then we went to the Faith and Liberty Museum, a new museum in Philadelphia. And I'm just going to say, look, if you're a progressive – and you've embraced this whole idea that Christianity had nothing to do with the founding of America, you need to go to that museum. Mm-hmm. You will, it will stun you. you won't, when you walk out, you'll either be a different person or you'll be raving mad, one right. or the other. Uh-huh. You'll find out you've been told a lie. You've been told a lie. That's exactly right. And I've, I've told people that. Mm-hmm. We know from the writings of the founders. Yeah. That they believed in God, and they believed in Christ. I mean, they weren't just a bunch of deists running around. No. A lot of these guys were preachers. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting. And, and what you got in the in the Constitution and in the Declaration of Independence is a, a really kind of um, – what's the best way to put this? A uh, uh, it's it's a way of putting in everyday words, so to speak, Christianity. Mm-hmm. Uh for government, yeah, because that's exactly what it was. I yeah. think it's probably the closest, most accurate way you could bring a theocracy without making a theocracy. Yeah, right? they brought it close. Yeah, they did get close. Yeah. They they really really did. But anyway, uh, and and Jefferson only said separation of church and state that you weren't supposed to be underneath a church of the state that meant the union Mm -hmm. that became uh, the united states of america it wasn't for them in washington dc to tell you who to worship however there were when you went to different states they had state churches yeah well let's also not forget that the the uh the um the capitol building 
used to be a church. They had several churches that met inside the Capitol building. <gasps> yes. The, the mega churches of the day. And on the front row would be Thomas Jefferson sitting right there. Yeah. And I think it was a congregational church. Is that what it was? Yeah, he was and a congregation. I, and I show, I've shown my congregation the images of the White House before – I'm not White House, but the, uh, uh, the House of Representatives – I'm sorry – the Capitol, Capitol building before and throughout its many phases of change before it looked the way it did. And then I showed them all the churches. It used to meet on, on a Sunday. They would rotate church services inside the Capitol building. So the people who wrote the Constitution could not have meant what we think they mean if they're actually using the building for church services and attending church services. Well, walk, the through, the, walk through the Supreme Court building yeah, sometime. Right. And just, Ten Commandments all over the yeah, place. Yeah, and just see all of the Christian symbolism yeah. that is, that's inside uh, the uh, the Supreme Court building and all across uh, Washington D.C. You can't see it, but on the very top of the Washington Monument, uh-huh. there is a religious icon that's up there because Washington was a believer. Mm-hmm. I went to Christ Church while I was in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. That's one place I always go to, and I took uh, some of the people from the trip with me uh, because it's a little bit of a walk to it. And we walked down to it, and you can see where Franklin's set. Right. You can see where Washington's set. You can see where Monroe's set, mm-hmm. and uh, when they went to church. And you can look down and you can see the floorboards and the bricks and they're the colonial bricks and floorboards. Oh wow! That uh, were there and those. And I get excited about this stuff. I know it's kind of weird, but mm. I start walking around. I go, "That's where these guys walked, man." Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I start putting myself in. That's why I've, I've said it when we were on the trip. I've said it on the air before. I want to go to Israel because I want to go to the temple. That's left. Yeah. And I want to walk down the steps that Christ that's, walked that's down. That's when it gets really exciting when you're like, he actually walks here. Yeah. He was yeah. on this sea. He was mm. on this mountaintop. He was in this garden. Yeah. I mean, it just is It brings amazing. it all to life yeah. at that point. So, yeah. I, you know, I want, to, I want to see it. All right, 22 minutes after 7. Let's get a break, and then we'll come back. I got the question. It's a two-parter, and uh, we'll give it to, to Scott and to Steve and let them uh, talk about it. If you have a question, uh, 501-823-0965. It is the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about ICU protection and what they'll do for you. They'll take, a good, they'll take good care of you. I got, they've got a great security system on my house now. i got the door and window sensors. I've got camera on my uh, my doorbell in the front on my uh, my driveway as well. You, you walk up uh, and it sees you. He goes, you kind of whistles at you. And the reason it whistles at you is it wants you to look at it. Because if anybody's not been there, it's like, what's that? And you look up, and now we've got a face shot of you. All right? So just know we know that who you are before you can walk into the house. But Billy will uh, talk to you about this. All you got to do is call him, Billy Max, the owner, 501-205-1333. By the way, the camera whistles much better than I do. 501-205-1333. These are the guys that take care of Nuke 1, and if they can protect the nuclear reactor, I know they can protect my dishes uh, in inside my home you pay for the service as well not the hardware all those cameras all those sensors they're absolutely free to you and you'll find that you're gonna you're gonna beat the prices of other people for their great service again 501-205-1333 that's i c u protection 
All right, back with you. And I got a question for Billy, but we'll ask that of him next week. He'll be back in the studio. And it's a good question. Yeah. It's yeah. a good question. But I, I, I saw you know. that uh, interview where he was saying something. Musk? Yeah, where he was saying something like that. Well, you know, yeah. Stephen Hawking didn't agree with him. Oh, really? Uh, Stephen Hawking says AI is, you know, that's Satan's work. Not his words, my words. Oh, really? Basically, he says uh, we're, we're dealing and messing with things we shouldn't mess with. Well, there, there was also statements by Elon that um, said something similar to that, that, that it is something that has got to be careful. Yeah, um, you don't want Skylab. Right. I'm just telling you. Yeah, right. I've, I've watched enough Terminator movies. <laughs> I know what can happen. Right. <laughs> in, the, in the interview, I think he actually went, he said he went to the White House and he told Obama, he said, You've got to stop. Put some limits on this. Slow Otherwise, up. we're going to lose control. And he said, of course, they didn't listen to him. Of course and, not. Uh, and uh, at any rate, it'll be interesting, interesting to see what, hear what Billy has to say about that. All right. Let's 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 start off now on the other questions. Uh, he's, got, he's got two questions for you guys. Uh, do you guys believe that hell is going to be eternal? Or do you believe that it will be only until the penalty has been paid? Question mark. You got a couple things mixed up here. I, I think you got purgatory and, mm-hmm. and hell mixed up here. But the penalty's we'll been paid. We'll let you guys talk about it. Yeah, the penalty f- has been paid. The idea that that um, there's a purgatory esque look at hell is not biblical. So the penalty was paid at the cross for the for sin. Um, there's a judgment for the believers. Um, we're gonna That's have to the Bema Street. We're, See, we, right? Right. We're going to give an okay. account for what we did with the gifts that God gave us, but it's not unto salvation. Um, there's a debate. You can look at how hell is viewed in two ways. The consequences will be eternal, whether that means eternal separation and you just cease to exist like the soul sleep kind of people that believe, or whether or not there is eternal punishment. I tend to lean towards the uh, eternal punishment side, uh, but you can make a case using scriptures that, well, all of it's going to be burned up and people will just cease to exist. Either way, the consequences are eternal. You're separated from God for eternity. Okay. Yep. Uh, um, the way that I was reading that uh, particular uh, quote, when the penalty is paid, it sounded to me like the person was asking um, until they had paid their penalty for whatever they did whatever they did so so they're going to be punished but only up to a point and then when they like if you lived 36 years and died you may be tormented for 36 years and then it's over you know you you're not it wouldn't be a forever burning in flame you basically are, that's a view as well yeah yeah it's, it's called annihilationism basically that you well annihilationism is more like you you die and it's over but um but yeah there, there is that view that there is a temporary um period of, of, of punishment, then there's more or less a uh, complete, then, then you're done. It's over. Uh, there's others who believe, like Steve said, almost like uh, you are, you're in this place of, of, of just separation, like a complete abandonment from, uh, from God uh, in that sense. And, um, uh, but I, I, I tend to agree that basically what I see in the scripture is there is uh, an eternal um, separation uh, punishment. Now, you know the, the the you know the description of hell was like Gehenna, which is basically this valley that separated the Mount of Olives from uh, the Temple Mount, and in there is where they threw all their their trash, their rubbish, and they burned it. and And so, um, 
that was the, that was kind of the metaphor they used. Does mm-hmm. it actually mean you're going to be in a place where there's worms crawling all over you and you're in an eternal flame? I don't know if they were metaphorically speaking there, if that's a literal, you know, you're burning in lava all the time, or if it's more or less just a state of complete, uh, you know, uh, separation and abandonment from the presence of God and total darkness and gnashing of teeth and madness and, you know, whatever. But there definitely is going to be a eternal nature to that. All right. Part two of the question. When we come back, 7.30, time for Bill O'Reilly on the Dave Ellswick Show. You. We were just talking about the first and second awakening uh, here in the, in the United States, and I was asking uh, Scott if that was Wesley who had the first uh, the first one. Was Wesley the one that uh, uh, had the great sermon about uh, uh, you like hung over a, a pit of fire oh, on a that was on that a, was Edwards Edwards it was, okay. um, um, the sinners in the hands of, a, of an angry God and they and they said that he sucked when it came to preaching oh well, not that day yeah no no it, <laughs> it just goes to show if God has a word yep yeah it'll find its home yeah right. I, you know, you hear stories where people were actually were clinging to the pillars in the church uh, with uh, with with the fear of the wrath of God yeah. they were so moved that uh, that day um, but going back to this thing here you know uh, I think both Steve and I would agree that this uh, that it's it appears Talking about hell here. Yeah, that it's, it, it appears to be uh, an eternal thing. We did talk, there's some arguments about uh, potentially during the millennium things that would uh, change. But, you know, when Jesus gives his example of the of the rich man, he says, did Lazarus come dip, can he dip his finger in the water because I'm tormented in this flame? Yeah. Um, it seems that, that um, even though we are spirit beings, there is some sort of uh, spiritual flame that we are that we are tormented in. I don't think that our minds can even grasp what that is like. And I think that when these stories are told, parables are told, sermons are taught, they use the closest thing naturally that humans could relate to to kind of describe what that is. And it came out as being flame and and fire. A common response I've gotten from others, you know, and you hear this uh, um, where people can't worship a God that would, you know, send you to hell kind of thing. And the Bible says that... that doesn't. Correct. Mm -hmm. The Bible says that hell was created for the devil and his angels. That's correct. And their sin was rebellion. So he doesn't send. You make the choice. Yeah. Right? He has always given us the choice ever since creation. Hey, all this stuff around here, you can have. That tree over there, don't touch it. What's interesting, and I've heard it, and we've talked about this before because it sticks in my head that we've talked about this before, that, you know, when when the book of life is opened, you're either there or you're not. Right. Okay? Which would mean that God didn't erase you from the book. Mm-mm. You erased yourself. Yeah. Correct. C.S. Lewis said that hell, hell is a place whose door is locked from the inside. That's probably a very good definition. And what he mean, meant, means by that is you choose to be there. That's right. You've chosen to separate yourself from from God, and so you've locked the door from the inside. There's um, a statement in, uh, I can't remember which book, it was Moses talking when he was fighting on behalf of Israel. And uh, he said, then blot my name out of your book. Mm-hmm. So the implication there is that everybody's name has been written in the Lamb's Book mm-hmm. of Life. You chose to have him etch it out yeah. by rejecting what the Lamb did for you. Yeah, remember this, talking about people saying, well, you know, uh, 
the way that he's decided to pass on his message or whatever. There's the second part to that story we were talking about, the rich man mm-hmm. and Lazarus, because the rich man then said, well, send somebody yeah. to tell my brothers. Mm-hmm. All right. And he said, I sent the prophets and they wouldn't believe them. That's right. Mm-hmm. And they said, though one be raised from, from the, the dead, dead, they will not believe, which mm-hmm. is a great segue into the next part of the question. Yes, it is. <laughs> and we're going to go to that. Well done, Steve. Let me read this. All right. So secondly, I've heard you guys say that an end-time revival is not what you're expecting. Do you have scriptures for that? In uh, your theology, is there no room for a move of God? And if not, isn't that limiting him? Somewhere along the line, you haven't heard what we're saying. Correct. I was going to say that is a misunderstanding. We do not... Uh, we believe that there will be a revival. Yes. There will not be an American revival. <clears throat> and I don't mean that revival is not coming to America, how America views revival. There has been a stealing of words, just like we can't define what a man and a woman is nowadays. <laughs> the word revival has been stolen. Okay, explain. Okay, what people are calling revivals today are camp meetings. So when you see a sign that says revival and this date, that's not a revival. Especially if they have a white tent up. <laughs> <laughs> it's a camp meeting. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> revival is when there is a earth-shaking move, just like some of the guys we were talking about, where people wake up in the middle of the night wailing because they realize this, the level of sin. And I, and so what we call revival, we don't see coming. I, because why? To be straight, people aren't serious about the things of God today. They're not. You can't get people to volunteer. You can't get people to show up before 10 o'clock service. They just they come and go and they decide to sleep in. And it, There's no hunger. So you're surely not going to get people to spend hours in prayer and fasting the things that require for revival. What is commonly taught and what most people have been told and these people have prophesied this revival is it's going to be the silly stuff like money revivals and just God pouring out his spirit on people who aren't repenting. Repentance always is the precursor to revival. Now, it will come, but my belief is after the judgment. It is in the book Revelation that says that there was a sea of people who came out of the tribulation that no man could number. So that is a revival, but it was in the midst of the tribulation. So there's a move of God around the world today in China. In Iran, in, in, in the Africa. Middle East, right, in Africa. But these are people who are running from house to house and are serious about the things of God. I would meant, I would bet some serious money that we would lose half the attendance in churches today if people started showing up at the door with machetes and saying, confess or die. Uh, well, just, just look what happened during during, look what happened during during COVID. How quickly things right. uh, things changed. Yep. And, and that, you know, we have had we talked about the Great Awakenings. You know, we've had a, a, a few. You know, the Zuda Street revival. There was a few, there's been a few national revivals that we have had in America. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and then it kind of has changed. And, that, and there, of course, there have been local. Um, revival was kind of localized, um, and uh, Brownsville I think is probably the last real big one that we had. Uh, our friend Dr. Michael Brown was a part of that for for many many years. Is so he like coming back to Little Rock to preach anytime? He normally comes to me every other year. Okay, so it would be another year from now, probably twenty twenty three before right. he would come back. Bummer. Um, but um, but I mean, if you want him on the show, I'm, I'm sure I could reach out to him and just say, Hey, listen, would you? 
Well, he's always writing books. Surely he's always always writing books. Um, But uh, you know, so we live. We live in hope. We believe that you know, if we can generate uh, you know hunger and passion, I I believe that God can touch a local congregation. He can move uh, sovereignly in in our midst. Um, But our like like Steve said, you know. Everybody has a different idea of what revival is. If you believe revival is a national sweeping where everybody is changed and the pubs are cl- pubs, uh, bars and pubs are closed and and things of that nature, strip that's, joints are closed. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's one view of revival. If you believe that revival, by definition, is reviving something that was once dead, uh, then you're looking at a church coming alive as opposed to a. Is, there's a difference between a revival and a harvest, and I think we're looking at harvesting lost people that's not really a revival a revival by definition is to vi- to revive something that was once vived but isn't vived anymore mm-hmm. so so it's like rewriting or retelling it's reviving so there's a, 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 a awakening and i think you know on a local level we can have that but are we are we expecting i think we always have to, we have to live always in in hope but it, what we're looking at right now does not what, give what the indication. What expecting is basically how life is going right now. We're just expecting God to just drop his spirit on people. Yeah. And that may be true, but what it's going to lead to is remorse and repentance. Just like we were talking about the, the, the message about sinners in the hand of an angry God. We forget the ramifications of sin. When the opposite is what's happening in the church today, we have more and more people in church preaching a more hyper-grace, liberal view of the gospel. Mm -hmm. That doesn't lead to repentance. What that leads into is, oh, you spend two hours a day watching porn, getting high, getting drunk, beating your wife. Oh, but you come to church on Sunday. That's good. You're saved by grace. And that leads to exactly what Paul said it shouldn't lead Correct. to. Yeah. And, and you know, we're talking about Wesley led one of the great uh, uh, awakenings. Um, it was said of him that anyone who heard him preach, 80% of everybody who heard him preach got born again. And that, wow. Which is incredible. And when they were in, and it, he, is, he is credited with saying this. When you preach, he said, preach 90% law, 10% grace. Well, that's what Paul said. I mean, Paul started off Romans preaching, you know, the judgment of God yeah. first. You got to know what's coming if you don't go the other way. But I think what we have in the churches today is just the opposite of what Wesley was saying. We yep. preach ninety percent grace, maybe ten percent uh, law, and you know, we really have to get to that place where we're actually living in the balance of, of of law and grace, as opposed to tipping one way or the other. And that requires, a, I think, a complete and total reeducation of what the law actually is in the first place. Now it's just everything bad. Yep. You know, any bondage in your life. Uh, you know, oh, you read your Bible every day. That's lawish. I mean, right. I mean, there's a difference between legalism and law, and that's a whole other discussion. But at any rate, I, I think we have a... Both John the Baptist and Jesus had the same message. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Mm-hmm. And when, when, when Jesus was hanging around and people say, well, look, he was hanging out with the drunkards and the tax collectors, right, and the whores... In order to change them, yeah. not affirm their behavior. Mm-hmm. When he was with them, he, he said they them. were forgiven, but then he said, go sin no more. That's correct. And it's we have the opposite view. So anyway, all of that is to say that what we believe a, a outpouring of the Spirit of God will happen in the end days. I absolutely believe that because the book of Revelation says that very clearly. 
But I think it's going to be very different than how we've been taught in the last 10 to 20 years in America about what revival is. If you want to talk about these men of faith in which these first and second great awakenings happen, then I would believe that that kind of revival is possible. But you have to have what they had up to it, which was a call for repentance. The men in the pulpit today that have the platforms, that have the radio, that have the television, that have the national audience are not sane. And I said this a few weeks ago when I was preaching. We are not appalled by what we see today. We should be in tears and appalled by what is on the television, what is on our streets, and what is happening. And we're not. We're not. We are all affirming and condoning in a lot of places or just going, well, yep, that's the way it goes. And it's it's That's the way it is. Mm. Yep. It's just sick. Just this one that happened a couple of days ago where there was a, a drag queen performing in the cathedral in New York City, right? Really? In a church? You're going to have a drag queen come perform at this church? What? Performing in a church? Yeah, dancing. Not stripping. Dancing. And it was uh, it was on one news feed, and another guy, a friend of mine, sent me the video going, you've got to be Incredible. kidding me. And it said you got a, a, a whatever he is, reverend, whatever, wearing the, the cloth around his neck that's all rainbowed. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what that's what people are seeing today. So there's... It, it is a vile sin in God's eyes, and the, many in the church are affirming it. So I can't see revival coming when the church is moving to a place. And the only way you, the only way you get to that place is by removing a, this absolute standard. Yep. When you remove the law, which, which is God God's words, when you remove the law of God, then anything's possible. Yep. Then you replace it with with man's law, or we, you know, with with man's idea of of tolerance, or man's idea of love, um, and then you get this type of um, anarchy. Excuse me. Now that we end up, you end up with a whole lot of people with reprobate minds. Yep. Uh, I mean, that's, and, and in the reprobate mind, mean anything goes. Yep. You know, anything anything goes. I would say that happened about three years ago. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back and finish it up with our Bible guys on a Tuesday. Don't forget, coming up at 9.05, Dick Morris joins me here on the Dave Ellswick Show. He's written a new book. Uh, He says that uh, not only will uh, Trump be renominated, but he will win the White House again. So we'll talk to Dick about that coming up at 9.05 here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about Pat Davis and uh, learning how you can save some money on health insurance. By the way, something that Pat talks about all the time, this new, um, you know, inflation-fighting bill that uh, the Democrats want to pass, one of it is that part of it is that they're going to uh, have money to, you know, for the subsidies for insurance. And Pat's been saying what they can give you as a subsidy, they can take it away. Uh if this doesn't pass, it'll be interesting to see how they're going to get the money for the subsidies to buy the insurance uh, that doesn't really do much for you in the in the long run. Uh, what Pat talks to you about actual insurance and not a share plan, any provider in the nation, no co-pays. You end up getting some uh, check perhaps back from the, the doctor uh, and from the insurance company and the deductibles. He's got deductible bus save you a lot of money. For instance, let's say you're paying, you know, uh, with your deductible or whatever, you're only paying $400 a month for your health insurance. Well, what good is it if your deductible is $10,000? 
You know, you got to pay ten thousand dollars before uh, your insurance even falls in uh, place to to start paying some of the, the bills. Talk to Pat Davis about this. Five zero one six zero five sixty nine thirty five. That's the number. Five zero one six zero five sixty nine thirty five. Or visit him online. Your health plan man. Dot com. You know, I've been talking. All right, let, let's come back. We're just sitting here talking during the break. And the church is not roaring like it has in the past. Okay, what am I talking about? Uh, there's a lot of things that are going on in our country right now. Look, you can watch television now. And the subliminal, and I'll say subliminal, they're getting more overt about it all the time, dealing with uh, homosexuality, uh, now transgenderism even more so than ever before, is is being pushed constantly on the air. I was watching a movie the other night on Netflix that had uh, Jason Momoa in it. He's the guy who plays Aquaman. And uh, he was fighting... Uh, some injustice or something for his wife and he's running away from uh, these killers and I looked at my, my my wife I said did you see that she goes what I said do you see what was on the back windshield of that truck and she goes no I said it was a rainbow yep oh really there was a rainbow on the back of Momoa's truck I said and she goes well you, you picked that stuff up crazily now and i said it's because i'm on the lookout for it now right, yeah most people aren't even on the lookout for it it's making an impact and you don't even know it yeah yeah and you have to imagine that you know because one thing i've always it's always bothered me about that is god put the rainbow in the sky yep. as a covenant between himself yeah that was and, stolen and from the, us right stolen right uh so many things have been stolen and we just keep ceding territory keep ceding these things to uh, to those who are in opposition to at the ark yeah that they've mm-hmm. got you can get a shirt that says taking back god's promise mm-hmm. oh, right and it's, yeah. it shows the rainbow uh-huh. because uh, you know the uh, the homosexual folks have taken the rainbow some would say you, you can use it in a broad that. term but some would say that was part of the major sin that was happening so it was violence but there was also a lot of sexual immorality um, and so instead of using it as this symbol of pride it's actually it's almost scary and what i mean by that is they're actually warning right they don't know that they're actually subliminally warning god judged the world of sin mm-hmm. and you are pronouncing using his symbol to say i won't judge sin like that again i won't flood the earth no but he'll burn it up right <laughs> i'm right. just saying no, i'm just saying we've got about six can you say what you wanted to say or do you want to wait the next tuesday yeah we can do it next tuesday okay we'll do it next tuesday uh go to church this week Amen. okay you want to go on saturday you can do that at agape uh they have a hebraic service on saturdays at one o'clock. o'clock yep all right and you can listen to steve preach do you do you blow the shofar? blow the shofar every week? Oh, that's cool. I saw some shofars on sale at the uh, the uh, Faith uh, Museum. I almost bought one, but couldn't part with two hundred and fifty bucks. <laughs> but and then uh, of course uh, on Sunday over at Agape, they start meeting at eleven. Correct? Ten. Ten o'clock. Ten o'clock. Sorry. Uh, New Life Church, 9 o'clock if you want on Sunday or 11 o'clock. That's where I attend if you want to come over over there. If I didn't have to drive so far, I'd come listen to Steve's preaching. He's pretty good. Yeah, he is. He really is. All right, we're out of time. 
Dick Morris at 9.05. I'll be back with that interview and more when we continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show here in just a few moments. But my thanks to the Bible guys for coming in. Scott from over at Agape and, of course, Steve Hess from Agape as well. Billy will be back next week, and he'll talk about artificial intelligence. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.